everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, still a climate thinker and a bit of a stinker, because this week I'm sharing the second half of my conversation with Josh Huffman. He's one of my best friends, and he happens to have been making his own deodorant and other cosmetics for over six years now. If you missed last week, I recommend you go back and listen to the first half of our chat. There, he shares his deodorant recipe and tells me how he got sucked into this particular rabbit hole. Today, in the second half of our chat, I tell Josh about my experience making deodorant, and he gives me some help on how to perfect my recipe. He also gives general advice on DIY cosmetics, and I thank him by sharing a recipe my husband uses for an exfoliating face mask. So, okay, I started in December, and I've made three batches. And what I can say to kind of second how easy it is, I've made each of the three batches with my son, who is not yet two years old. And he has had so much fun mixing it with me and measuring the stuff, which I think is part of the reason that all three batches have turned out so differently. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he kind of pours half of it into the bowl and half of it onto his leg. But um, well, it is a good tactile like experience for children or you know people who yeah. are into that like ASMR crap. And it's also great because I know like if he you know gets some of it on his skin or if he were to eat some of it, um, it's not the end of the world because it's all you know natural stuff that he could eat anyway. Right, um, and it's and the pH level of the baking soda is not so high that if you get some on you, you're gonna get a chemical burn like right away. Or right. not even right away. Like, you're not going to get a chemical burn. Like. That's, yeah, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, so, well, okay, I don't know if you can speak to this, but, I mean, it sounds like you have an implicit answer. The first batch that I made was absolutely perfect. It was basically a deodorant stick. You could rub it right on, just like normal deodorant. Mm-hmm. And since then, when I make it, it gets kind of crumbly. What I would do which sometimes I do uh, in mine is add maybe a little bit of beeswax because Mm -hmm. that'll help stabilize it. Okay. Um, Which beeswax is one of the, there's like the four pillars of society in the, in the three things that I make, which is like baking soda, coconut oil, shea butter, and beeswax. Mm -hmm. You can make so much shit with those four things. It's kind of insane. But I found that a little bit of beeswax just helps stabilize it. Um, It makes it a little bit creamier. And it also helps uh, with the consistency outside of the fridge. Like it won't, you know, I because I travel okay. somewhat frequently and I bring it with me and I've never had an issue where it's the deodorant stick has like melted and come out and gotten all over a thing. Right. Because, yeah, my last one when I traveled last weekend, it all ended up in the lid. So now I'm kind of scooping it out. Kind of what you said, you're going to start doing the two, taking it, putting a little on my finger and then applying. Yeah. Well, if that ever happens, what you can do is put it in like a cup of hot water, not boiling, just hot, or even just if it's summertime, leave it out right side up. Mm-hmm. In half an hour, it'll be back to where it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, I mean, because the, the one that I've been making, it's just coconut oil, baking soda, and cornstarch. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like maybe if I round it out with some shea butter and maybe a little beeswax that... Oh, It'll yeah. get I, a better consistency. 
even just with the shea butter, I think that'll help a lot because it's that's basically like a you know natural moisturizer type of thing. Okay. And look, the greatest thing about this too is if you make a batch and you realize after a couple of days there's something wrong with it, scoop it out, put it into a bowl, and you can add more stuff to get it to the point where it works for you. You that's don't have to true. throw away the stick. You know, it's like if you buy uh, anything from the store and it doesn't work, you throw it away. I mean, hopefully you I don't keep do using that, it. But... I keep using it and suffer. Right. Which is also, I mean, if if that's the case, I would suggest maybe finding a friend who already uses it or maybe you can give it away. If I don't know if there's like an online community thing, if you can give it away to somebody or trade it or sell it. That mm. way you're not suffering and growing resentful, but you're also, you know, not wasting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's maybe one of my decades long side passions is using up bad hygiene products uh-huh. so that I, I don't know why, but I just love the empty bottle, throwing the empty bottle away. Like you've <laughs> defeated it when really it won. Yeah. Like I've it. won. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's maybe an eco-friendly thing, but I think it's more of a money saving thing of look, I didn't have to buy a good shampoo because I, I used that old one until it was gone. Well, I don't know. I don't don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Well, something you can also do, too, with these beauty products is sometimes there's other uses for them if what the intended use is isn't working for you. Like with the shampoo, you might be able to use it as a mild detergent for clothes Mm -hmm. or for for cleaning or dishwashing. I mean, so many of these products at their core share the same ingredients. Like we've only because of science and commerce complicated them by adding by creating new whatever molecules and new recipes and new shit because we think it works better which it might but at what cost like something might clean my hair 10 percent better but the thing that did it before worked good enough yeah or even better in this case right right even better and that was also part of the impetus for for creating my own stuff is It's not like I really think, you know, the aluminum or whatever that's in deodorant or the whatever that's in a face wash is going to kill me. Like we haven't seen, you know, there's not been a pandemic of underarm cancer, but one, maybe it affects me slightly in ways that aren't healthy for my body. But two is by not supporting that one product, all of the people that are making those bad ingredients will make them a little less. We Mm. have to mine for shit a little less. We have to Mm. create toxic byproducts a little less and a lot of a little less eventually adds up yeah I like it I'm like a you know me I'm kind of more of a practical eco guy Mm -hmm. which I've like I've said like people don't do things if it's significantly harder or even a little bit harder so if it's an easy swap do it yeah that's a no-brainer and I mean that's a no-brainer yeah I mean that's to me the point of sustainability is making changes that are better for you, that make you happier, make you healthier. They're cheaper, they're easier and they're better for the planet. Cause there are so many of those changes. It's so a no brainer to start with them. It. Yeah. Like I, I bought this neti pot thing. That's basically yes. like a neti pot machine. I'm currently looking at the three different neti pots that I have. Um, and it's a neti pot machine where it's like one, it has like two little things that go in your nose. One is pushing water into your nose and the other is sucking the water out. Oh God. 
uh, yeah, it's less destructive than it sounds and mildly um, kind of grossly interesting to like feel. But it comes like to use it, you have to buy their like proprietarily made little sailing packets and the machine won't mm. work unless you have the sailing packet. And I'm like, I don't want to have to use this one time only thing every time I want a neti pot. So I did a little looking online and there's like a hack to get around it so that oh. I can just put in my own sailing solution and still use the machine. And it's like, it's shit like that that just drives me insane. Like you are yeah. making a good product, but what you're really saying is like, I mean, it's it's business. Yeah, They are not, they're gonna sell this product once to one person, but the way to hook them is a monthly subscription to the little sailing packets. But yeah. like, I'm not gonna support that. Figure out another way to make your money. I'm glad to hear that. So now you, I, I'm so thankful to you for your tips that I have a tip for you. I, you might already know this, but so also in this book, my husband's gotten into it and he's made several things. And one of the things he's made that's amazing is an exfoliating face mask Ooh. from used coffee grounds and honey. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's it. And it's amazing. It smells so good. It works so well. And he has kind of oily skin and I have really dry skin okay. and it worked really well for both of us. Do you have an idea what the ratio is? Let me see if I can find or it. Or is it one where it's just kind of, you know, whatever works yeah. for you? Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. The ratio and then if it matters, like how coarse the grind is. Well, so here's. That sounds really great. And who doesn't love the smell of coffee? I mean, here's, so, okay, I'm in the book now, and what it does is it talks about making face masks, and it mm -hmm. gives you 12 different possible ingredients, and then it gives you kind of extra ingredients, and it talks about, okay, here are ingredients that are, uh, and Sundungshemmend, um, what did you say that um, baking soda is? No, it's not that, and Sundung is, um, I don't know how you say it in English. No, 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 um, and Sundong's hemant is it prevents infection or it reduces oh, infection. Yeah. Or so there's that. Mm -hmm. Then there's it clears up your skin. Then there's it tightens up your skin. And then there's peeling. And so they How don't. How often does he use this? Um, kind of whenever he feels like it, maybe once a quarter. Okay. And he used to buy a, a lot of single use. Is that a financial use... quarter or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that sounds great because honey is another one of those super common. It's already in your house. Yeah. Can be very easy to find locally produced honey. And it's a fucking miracle ingredient. It never goes bad. Like literally, it's one of the few things on earth that does not go bad. It has very amazing antimicrobial, antibacterial properties. And you can just, you, you can apply it anywhere on your body and it's not going to cause harm. Yeah. I mean, great. unless you're diabetic maybe and you're like, have a super open wound, but I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I don't know how diabetes works. Well, and I mean, you have honey, which you already have in your house and then yeah. coffee grounds, which is you've already made the coffee with these coffee grounds. Right. So um, it's basically trash. No, and it's yeah. this is a great face mask. I highly recommend. It's very good. We've done it a couple times, and I have only good things to say. Do you? How long do you leave it on for? I'm um, asking because I'm like gonna make it. Like, yeah. Today. Yeah. Um. I mean, as long as you want, I would say maybe 15 minutes. I kind That's of great. at a certain point, you're kind of like, okay, I have enough honey in my nose that 
I, I'm ready to wash it off. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, maybe 15 minutes. But I mean, I also probably left it on longer because, yeah, it just feels good and it smells good. Right. And it's also not going to hurt you to leave it on longer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not because, I mean, you know, if you get like a commercial mask, you get, you put it on until it's dry, right? And then you peel it off sometimes. Mm-hmm. This one, yeah. it doesn't really do that. It's You just kind of leave it on until you don't really want to anymore, and then you wash it off. Right. Or a commercial product will tell you to take it off after a certain time because it's going to start burning, and this is not going to start burning. Yeah, no, this doesn't do that. No, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, okay, we've been we've been talking for a long time. I <laughs> I think we should wrap this up. Not because I don't love talking to you, but I'm imagining my, my few listeners who enjoy the brevity of the podcast wondering why it's three hours long today. It can be a two-parter. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I save something for, for a rainy day. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see. Um, I wanted to ask you the final question, though. Do you have any other advice for making deodorant or making anything yourself? Yes, I think there is a plethora of there are a plethora. Whatever. There There's a ton of recipes out there on the Internet. What I suggest doing is reading. You know, it takes five seconds. Look at five to ten different recipes. You'll see some common ingredients. You'll see what maybe a a variety, you know, variations on the recipe does for different people. And then you can kind of make your own judgment call. And then it's really, if you want to go one step further, like look at the ingredients themselves, look into them and see what is it about this that is working. Like with the baking soda being antibacterial or coconut oil also being antibacterial, you know, different things in your life. What I will say is, so I make my own chapstick, which is fantastic, and my own face wash. When I tried to make my own toothpaste, um, oh yeah, yeah, my uh, my gums bled after three days, so I stopped that. I'm not saying that as a don't make your own toothpaste, but like look into it maybe better than I did because I did it right before a trip and kind of threw it together last last minute. Oh dear, did not work for me. But that's the beauty of this. Again, it's experimenting with common ingredients that you generally have in your home and it's low risk, high reward. Like the toothpaste didn't work. Two of those ingredients of the two, you know, two ingredient recipe I made were in my deodorant. So I saved that until my next batch of deodorant because a lot of these things also don't go bad. Nice. I like it. So I think just look around your house, look at when you throw away an empty container, you can recycle it. That's fantastic. Amazing too. You can also keep it and use it for a balm or a deodorant or a whatever, either for yourself or give it to somebody else, especially if it's like a small container. Make something and bring it to a friend who maybe has said that they want to try it and then hasn't just because they haven't made it. Who knows? You could start a little like mini revolution in your neighborhood. That's good. That's I mean, that's part of my problem, though, is I I waited until I had empty deodorant containers but I have two now, and the one I use is secret. So I know this is Lisa's secret, is it's homemade. <laughs> I felt a little guilty buying the empty containers, one from Amazon where it had to be shipped in, and then two, just buying like an empty product. But I've used them for seven years. I haven't had to buy, re-up them since. Yeah, which so. is another good point. Yeah, if you are committed to doing this, then it makes sense. Right. And oh my God, it saves so much money. Like, I'm not saying deodorant is super expensive, but I bought all these ingredients for probably less than $20 and it's lasted, the $20 worth has probably lasted 
three years. Wow. So there you go. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been, I knew that it would be fun, but it's been way more fun than I even thought it would be. Uh, well, it was a pleasure. I'll, I'm going to have to come up with some other uh, new eco-friendly thing I can do just to get back on the show. Yes, do it. <laughs> Ooh, maybe that'll be my climate. Not my climate diet, but my, my climate. Uh, I'm not clever enough to come up with something right now. But anyway. Your climate 5K? Yeah, that's know. it. Well, it's me. Let's say 1K. <laughs> no, that's still too long. My climate <laughs> run around the, run around the uh, block. Many, many, many thanks again to Josh for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I hope all of you try his recipe for deodorant. And I put up a couple other recipes on my website, myclimatediet.org. He's also very happy to take questions and would love to see pictures and feedback on his recipes. I've got his email up on the website as well. What's giving me hope this week? Over the weekend, I gave a presentation at the End of the World Festival of Science, Children of Doom. Imagine something between a general interest conference on world-changing technologies like AI and biohacking and a post-apocalyptic theme party. Yes, there was a station on making your own end of the world outfit and another station on how to shoot your own game with a bow and arrow. I had a lot of fun confusing people with my lecture on the results of some fake research I did about utopian fiction on the planet Uranus, which was a lot of fun and which I hope to share with you on the podcast in a few weeks. But what's giving me hope this week are all the great conversations I had with people at the festival about the importance of positive stories. I mean, here we had a festival that was about the end of the world. It was about reveling in doomsday scenarios, apocalyptic visions, and imagining dystopian hellscapes. And I think that's all well and good. I mean, I love me some Walking Dead. I love me some post-apocalyptic movies. And I have definitely read my share of dystopian science fiction novels. But at some point, we need to get off our butts, go out, and start making the world closer to what we want it to be. It was really great to meet so many people who see this too. And I want to give a special shout out to Emma Harris, who gave a talk on Sunday about the ethics of post-apocalyptic visions. Kind of what she said was, these stories are great, but what they tend to do is rob us of our agency. Because they say the world can only be saved by the savior, who is often a white man. And this kind of says we can sit back and watch the world burn, something that I don't agree with. So thanks to Emma for your great presentation. You can check out all of the presentations on childrenofdoom.com. And as I said, I'm going to try to get some audio of my presentation to put up on the podcast in a few weeks. Next week... My talk with Josh made me realize we can't just leave it at deodorant. So next week, I'm going to take a broader look at the role of cosmetics and climate change. I'll look at how I can make my hygiene regime a little climate friendlier and see if I can find some shea butter for my next batch of deodorant. That's going to be my challenge to myself because my deodorant, the third batch I made, is running out. Thanks to my listeners. A few weeks ago, I got a really nice text from my friend Sarah Harrison, who said, listening to my climate diet, it's so good. Thank you for making it. 
Thank you for listening, Sarah. Sarah writes her own column in Siegessäule, so if you live in Berlin, check it out. Thanks for listening. For links and more information about what I talked about this week, go to my website, myclimatediet.org. The music in this podcast is by David from Kvetz. I'd love to hear from you too, so feel free to write me an email with your climate question or climate solution to lisa at myclimatediet.org. Rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends, and consider starting a climate diet of your own. Because if we were all to go on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I told that